listening to From the Cheap Seats with Chris DeLambert and Brandon Atkins. You may not like your seats, but you'll love the show. All right, happy Monday to everybody. Chris DeLambert, Brandon Atkins, and the inimitable Robert uh, Bricky making his WFJA debut. What's going on, Rob? Not a lot. Happy to be here. Good to see you guys this morning. Man, it's been... Whew, Way, way, way too long. Yes, it has. Uh, you know, we we tell people asks about the show all the time, and and uh, you know, one of the things. Oh, you remember Robert Bricky played at Duke? He's a he's a host of the show. I think people over the last few months have started to doubt that. Right, right, right. So what have you been? What have you been tied up with? Tell everybody, catch everybody up on where you've been. Really, just work, man. My schedule's changed. I've got a couple of projects that are that eat up a lot of my time, so it's hard for me to get over here on Monday mornings. Yeah, but that's the boring part. Yeah, I know. The, the, but that's life. <laughs> but the the less boring part is the is the uh, Raleigh Firebirds. Correct. Yeah, uh, we are. We actually had a combine over the weekend. So I guess for people that don't know, there's a semi professional team in Raleigh called the Firebirds, which I coached last season. We had a, our inaugural season, which we got. We had a good year. We all, we were one game from the finals, and uh, it's an exciting brand of basketball. So. That's eating up a little bit of my time as well. So I was—I I know you were on the fence as to whether you were going to be back with the team this year. The fact that you were at the combine on Saturday would that lead me correctly to the to the point where you're going to be back? I think I will. I think we've got things in place where uh, I will be back for a second season. Hey, is the uh, combine open to the general public? So if I wanted to lay some off, can I just roll out there and try out for the Firebirds? <laughs> well. I would suggest you get in the gym and get some jumpers up first. Just, I don't know if you got any rust on that jump shot or not. But. Oh, there is. There's a lot of rust. <laughs> now, what given given that you guys, it's a semi-pro team, sort of a developmental um, league where guys are in there that are that are sort of trying to get back into the mix and make it up into the G League. You guys had a nice collection of talent last year, right? How many of those guys will be back? What, what from a percentage standpoint, how much how much of last year's roster do you expect to have back? We initially had 14 on our roster. We may have four or five return. And where are the other 10? What's going on with them? They'll be end up in other places, other teams, some overseas. They'll be scattered. Okay. So how bad would things have to get before you called Brandon Atkins and you were like, <laughs> need you to try out? Man. Well, I understand Brandon's role. If we got on the same page as he's a social coordinator, post game for post game activities, we'd be okay. When uh, that's not exactly what off. I was looking for, Robert. <laughs> I was looking to get it in some, you know. He thought if he put you on the spot, man, on on the air, that I thought you know, I'd at least get the enforcer. You know, the the do you have five or six files? Six. So, uh, you know, use you know good six files, but you have me doing social networking and stuff. No, like no, that? no, no, no. Social coordination. Coordination. Okay. Yeah, well, yeah beverages. You, you bring the oranges, oh. basically. The oranges. I'm a soccer mom all of a sudden. <laughs> when does the when does the season tip off for the Firebirds Actually, this year? They're going to move it up, move it back. We kicked off in January this year. I think they're going to start in April of next year. Okay. More importantly, though, because I missed it last year, I was unavailable. When is the cheerleader calendar <laughs> kickoff? Because they had they had quite a, a shindig last year. They did in association. What's what, what what's the name of the uh, the, the cheerleading troop? That's a good question. Ah, I can't oh, remember. I thought you knew for sure. I wouldn't have set you up that way. I'm, I'm sorry. focused on my duties at hand. When I go, I don't 
I'm here to coach. I don't pay attention. To okay, I, I've got to see what we have to do to be the official media outlet of the cheerleaders. Now wait a minute. Hold on. I think that that was that was all concocted to throw. Your significant other, oh, I just don't know the, the cheerleader's name. No, I, I really don't. I can't remember off the top of my head. I do follow them on Twitter, so if I was given you know a break to go check it out, I'd do that. But i, I got to figure out what it's going to take to get VIP to the cheerleader calendar mm-hmm. release party. I think I could help you with that. All right. Membership does have its privileges. Yes, yes it does. See, we're not the brotherhood, but we're a brotherhood. That's right. Really. You know what I mean? What was my title again? Can I be in charge of that? Social coordinator. Okay, can Social I be in Is that part of my job title? We can uh, amend your uh, duties. Okay. Roberts and I have near as much fun with this as we are. <laughs> All right, well, welcome back. It's been far, far, far too long. In the interim, we have played a little golf. Um, right. For folks out there that didn't listen to the show prior to us coming to WFJA, um, what have you been doing since you left Duke? Back in 1990. Oh, God. Uh, A lot of things. Uh, Mostly coaching. I coached for about 17 years all over the place. And then uh, college and professional in Canada here. uh, Seven or eight different universities. And the last five years, I've changed careers. I'm a paper pusher, so I'm a financial advisor and life insurance agent. So it's a big, big change from coaching. Which, how much do you miss? Well, it's not even fair to ask how much you miss coaching because you can go get your coaching fix right. with the Firebirds now. But uh, highlights along the way, you coached Duke women at one point. Correct. You coached at Shaw. Shaw University. You coached at my alma mater at Central. North Carolina Central University. I was actually having a conversation with somebody out there uh, the tail end of last year, and they were like, yeah, yeah, Rob, he's he's coach out here. Uh, James Madison University, Southern Methodist University, and... Uh, West Point. Very cool. All the way back to Coach's K. Coach K's album outer. Yeah, that's yeah. pretty dope. All right, well, welcome back, man. We're going to talk NBA draft a little bit today. Uh-oh. We'll talk a little bit about women's soccer. I want to kick this off with the obvious point about the draft, and that has to do with another Duke player. Thanos has arrived in oh, New Orleans. <laughs> now, Brandon, you, you had an interesting observation. I don't know that I agree with you. But I want you to talk a little bit about what you thought you saw as the first round developed at the NBA draft this year. So, I mean, start me off. Well, I have a bunch of thoughts. So well, you, you I, I said particularly that what you saw, what you thought you perceived from Zion Williamson was a guy who was a little disappointed to be going to New Orleans and really wanted to be there in New York. I, th- I know if he had his pick, he wants to be number one overall pick. So that trumps all cards. But you had to look at R.J. Barrett. He looked like the happiest person on earth. I mean, he's going to the New York Knicks, and you had to feel like, by the way, I really like Zion's style, the no tie, the pearl Look, that was really smooth, I thought. And, and when you don't wear a tie to something like that, that means you own the room, right? Like, See, don't say that because I'm a no-tie guy. I very, <laughs> exactly. very, very That's rarely. That's exactly my point. I very rarely wear a tie. I'm all about the collar and the and the sport coat. That white, it, almost a tux cut on the, on the jacket, it was... Have you gone back and looked at what LeBron wore? It was, that was wild to see them, you know, transposed against one another. I don't know if that was planned or not. He really did seem like he didn't know 
that LeBron had had rocked the white suit as well. But but my bad. The I, point I derailed you, what you were talking about. No, the, the point I was bringing up is you could kind of see just a little bit of it wasn't anything like jealousy or ill will or anything because RJ and Zion are boys, but you could kind of see him going, God, if I could just go to New York like RJ. Instead, I'm going to this big question mark in New Orleans, um, being a pelican where you know. Now he's got to play alongside of, you know, Brandon Ingram, who might be hurt, who I think, you know, would rather take a jump shot. Just be honest, he'd rather take a three than go to the basket, that type of player. And I'm wondering if he's going to need to be a leader there. That's the big question mark. Is he ready to be 18 years old to be a leader of a a brand new kind of a brand new team? Because they basically, you know have all new players you got a Lonzo ball to deal with who knows what's going to happen with that situation but you could just kind of see he that all that goes to the side if he was going to be a New York Nick because they would absolutely worship him there and he would have almost no pressure because it's the best player they've had in I don't know how long but now he's with the Pels which is the new Nick the shorter nickname for the Pelicans now for for those of you that don't know we have a couple of rules on this show and, and they really haven't kicked in because we haven't done a lot of basketball up to this point. But we never refer to the Washington NBA franchise by anything other than the name. The Bullets. The Bullets. The Nets, as far as I'm concerned, will always hail from New Jersey. The- and now we have to add this because I think it's cool. They're trying to jump in like the Cavs or the Dubs, you know, giving it a cool name. Because Pelicans, as far as sports mascots go, pretty lame. Pretty lame. Maybe not the worst of all the mascots in the in major but sports, far. but not far from it. But now <laughs> they have dubbed themselves the Pels. It's got um, a nice ring to it, though. Well, it's better than Pelicans. So, you know, the Pels. Go ahead. No, I'm just saying that... Uh, <laughs> I'll be interested to see. I think he fully has it in him to to walk out on the court and say, this is my team. I didn't necessarily feel like he needed to do that in New York. Um, I'm not sure if I'm making a whole lot of sense with my take, but I'm just saying that, you know, you go to New York and he's got a blank check. There's like he could do anything. And, and as long as he's bringing butts in seats, then, I mean, I know there's going to be pressure, but it just seems like he seems to me to be looking long, you know, Longfully towards the Knicks during draft night. You know? Okay, I, I I get what you're saying, except that I think that the New York media, if this kid is not a superstar out of the box, the New York media and the New York fan base, I think, are a whole lot more prone to flip on him and to turn on him just so just that quickly right whereas in new orleans i think that there is a a a longer grace period like a honeymoon period and i also think that uh, here here's the here's the rub in new york if he went to the knicks and at some point in the next 10 years won them a championship he would be they'd be making statues for him okay he'd be on the side of every billboard he'd be one of the biggest media stars in the country Take that down to New Orleans. If this guy wins a couple playoff series, he could very quickly become Drew Brees. And for for those of you who have not been in and around the New Orleans area for extended periods of time, Drew Brees could legitimately run for mayor of New Orleans and win in a landslide. He could probably be the governor of Louisiana if he really wanted that gig. Zion has a chance to surpass all of that. 
I mean, you're talking about a community that loves their team. And the the video of the reaction of the New Orleans fans to the selection of Zion Williamson with, you know, the cheering and the hollering and the hooting, it's just the beginning of that. Some of them looked surprised, which was hilarious that to me. Like, kinda, come on. That is kind of wild. You know, the only thing is, I'll say, it could only be Zion that can go and make a splash in New Orleans because, go ahead. Well, Thanos is going to get his chance, and we'll talk about him a little bit more. we got a big guest coming on the other side. Um, you're listening to From the Cheap Seats right here in Central North Carolina. Chris Lambert, Brandon Atkins, the inimitable Robert Bricky. We'll see you on the other side of the break. You're listening to From the Cheap Seats. Check us out on social media at Cheap Seat Radio or visit us at www.cheapseatradio.com. Debt. If you get in too deep, members of the NFCC, the National Foundation for Credit Counseling, can help you put debt in its place. Credit cards took charge of my financial life. A certified credit counselor helped me get back in control. Student loan debt followed me wherever I went. NFCC taught me all I needed to know. Connect with an NFCC certified credit counselor at your local member agency today. We'll help you put debt in its place. Go to nfcc.org slash stop debt or call 877-410-6322. We are live outside the home of Joe and Rosie Goddard where a pretty big tickle fight broke out just minutes ago. Sources say their father instigated the laughter. Let's go inside for a comment. (laughs) Apparently, they have no comment. Dads? Let this be a reminder that it only takes a moment to make a moment. Call 877-4DAD411 or visit fatherhood.gov. Brought to you by the U.S. Department of Health and Human Services and the Ad Council. My name is Lola Silvestri, and I'm going to be 95 this year. I was very independent. I fell, and I had to have meals on wheels. America, let's do lunch. One in six seniors faces the threat of hunger, and millions more live in isolation. Drop off a hot meal and say a quick hello. Volunteer for Meals on Wheels by donating your lunch break at americaletsdolunch.org. This message brought to you by Meals on Wheels America and the Ad Council. Hello, it's me, the designer jeans in the back of your closet. What happened to us? I used to summer in the Hamptons, and now I'm stuck behind a pair of sweats. Okay, maybe I never really fit you right, but I got a lot more Sunday fun days left in me. So take me to Goodwill, where I can really make a difference. Your donations to Goodwill create jobs, training programs, and education assistance for people in your community. To find your nearest donation center, go to goodwill.org. Donate stuff. Create jobs. A message from Goodwill and the Ad Council. Welcome back to From the Cheap Seats, sports talk radio that won't make your ears bleed. All right, welcome back from the Cheap Seats. Talking a little bit about the NBA draft from just a few days ago. Um, Brandon, I know that you're a little... You and I don't see eye to eye as it applies to the Lakers. Oh, yeah. A lot has been made about the trade that the Lakers made with the Pels. Sending Brandon Ingram, Lonzo Ball, and the fourth pick, along with some other parts, Josh Josh Hart and, uh, and a future pick in exchange for Anthony Davis. Now, it's a pretty good haul. 
I don't know that it that it stopped traffic. But that trade is set to go and become official on July 6th. Now, I'm not going to bog anybody down with the details, but the bottom line is, had the Lakers negotiated to have that trade effective July 30th, it would have saved the Lakers another $8 million or so in cap space um, and had the Pelicans covering that part of the bill. Instead, this in an, in an offseason where the Lakers are trying to make a whole lot of moves, who are going to be up against the cap, it's a it's a stunning development. So have we ruled they can't do another max now? Can they still do another max contract? They can probably not, frankly. Um, it, it's going to come down to what's left. They would still have to download a little bit of salary. But here's the thing. If they do this, and e- even, if, even if they create the space, the bottom line with the salary cap... People ask all the time, well, salary cap, but Golden State has $140 million on the book. Theoretically, you could have a billion dollars on the books if you re-sign your own players. Mm -hmm. You're able to re-sign your own guys and exceed the cap and go into luxury tax territory. Once you go into luxury tax territory, you're paying about $2.50 for every dollar that you're over the cap. So it gets real expensive real fast. And then there's additional penalties that come for repeat offenders as it applies to exceeding the cap. The problem is when you're dealing with other people's free agents, then you're hard capped. So the ser- the sequence in which you, you sign these guys and how you manipulate it, is, it, it's a full-time job. And the question when Rob Palenka and the Lakers screwed this up was, well, you know, was there a cap guy in the building? And apparently, yes, there is. And the the word that I've gotten is that Palenka decided to disregard the advice and didn't fully understand the CBA one way or the other. And, and nobody will ever know. We weren't sitting in that room. But one way or the other, the Lakers have backed themselves into a hole because purging Ingram, Hart, and Ball off the books, in theory, should have left them with just enough room to bring in another max contract. The problem you have there is the only thing that you will be able to add once you get to that hard cap is players that were already on your roster that you re-sign, which means Rondo and McGee and KCP would be in play. Or you can bring in veteran minimum deals. And veteran minimum sounds like a cool thing, except that nobody takes a veteran minimum deal. I think it's inexcusable what Plinka did. Like, you know, you can say you have a cap guy who, like, if I'm your cap guy, Chris, and I made that mistake, you're ultimately, you get paid, I think Polinka makes about $7 million a year. It's like a player. It's good work if you can get it. So, and the only thing he's ever, ever done is been boys with Kobe Bryant and represented Kobe Bryant, and that's it. That's what's gotten him job. Magic Johnson is looking at the stars and saying, thank you so much for let, making me parachute out of that <laughs> mess of a situation. Because personally, it, it didn't, the Lakers weren't in tor- turmoil until this mistake happened. Really, if you look at it, what, all they're doing is getting the number one player, and it's undisputed now with all the injuries, the number one player in the world in LeBron James. And, oh, by the way, you got AD. Oh, that's horrible. Any team in the league would want that situation. But now if Palenka has r- screwed their chances of getting a max deal, a max player, 
I haven't heard about anybody taking less to come to the Lakers. If anybody's taking less, it's because they want to stay where they are. And, uh, you know, you made the point about Kawhi Leonard. It looks like that <laughs> Kawhi's going to be playing in downtown L.A., but in a Clippers <laughs> uniform. See, I can, disagree with you. Can you imagine that, though, like having uh, to it's unbelievable. walk past him and, you know, know that he's not on your team after all of this? It's unbelievable. Now, now first things first, Rondo, who the Lakers brought in last year on a one-year deal, Rondo can be re-signed. Um, he's not going to count against the cap other than for luxury tax purposes. Um, after that, you've got McGee. And then y- when you look at it, the Lakers are at a point right now where they've really got five or six players in play, and they've got to round out the rest of that roster. They didn't have a first-round draft pick. Uh, they bought a second-round pick, which is what teams that are up against the hard cap do because those second-round picks are very, very valuable as salary cap pieces because they're so cheap. Um, as far as a third amigo, if they can figure out how to do this and get somebody to come in, who do you see as the best fit? For me, it's just all fantasy because every time, you know, when I'm talking to you on the golf course, Chris, I'm like, wouldn't it be great if this person went there? And you you shoot it down with a million facts that Rob and I don't like. <laughs> you know what I mean? He always lets facts get in the way of a good story. Exactly. That's the problem. Um, I, I I feel the, I'm, I not, with, I'm not I'm not squashing dreams on purpose. I swear. Yeah, you're the dream crusher. Like <laughs> so, you know, I mean, any a number of these high end free agents, I don't see any of them coming to L.A. now. Like just after everything I've heard, you know, but people want to stay in Charlotte for some reason. Kyrie Irving would probably be the best fit. I think you mentioned that last week because they've played together and they've proven winners together. And can you imagine? AD's the perfect player for for uh, for them to kind of coast LeBron James to try to take care of his body during a regular season. They can just ride that guy all year long, and I can see Kyrie throwing him a million alley-oops. And, and, uh, but Kyrie would be the best fit but for some reason. Nobody, you know, Kawhi Leonard at this point is not going to play second fiddle to anyone. That's got me convinced that he'll never go to the Lakers because he is the guy. He's been in two different franchises, won um, rings with them and, and finals MVPs. He's not looking to be second fiddle anywhere. All right. The bad news for the Lakers is this offseason may end up being an unmitigated disaster. The good news, however, is that AD is in a contract year. So next year, there's a whole lot more flexibility that comes with it. If I'm Rob Palenka, what I'm out there doing right now is trying to sell one of these upper crust free agents. I don't know if it's Jimmy Butler. I don't know if it's Kimball Walker, Kyrie Irving, whomever. I'm out there trying to sell them on taking a one-year deal, a la Kevin Durant a couple years ago, with a wink and a nod that when this deal expires, we'll sign you to a max contract. I don't know if it's going to happen or not. It seems like, like happens most years, we start with a dozen possibilities as far as top-tier free agents. And then guys get hurt, and you see Clay Thompson's off the board. Kevin Durant's status has changed dramatically. Now you've got Kawhi possibly staying put in Toronto. Kimball Walker, let me tell you something. Kimball Walker is a prime example. We were talking about not being hard-capped. The Hornets can re-sign Kimba, period. It is fully within their power. If they time things right, they can exceed the cap, bringing Kimba Walker back, no problem. 
Mitch Kupchak, the GM of the Hornets, was on, or was in the media over the weekend. And if you read between the lines, you don't have to work very hard to figure out that he was saying, we are not going into luxury tax territory. <laughs> Which, you have to pin on Michael Jordan. I don't understand the resistance of a mega-rich guy, such as himself, who owns the franchise outright, to be resistant to creep into luxury tax just a little bit in the short term. Because we've talked about this a lot over the last year, two years. The Hornets are a disaster next year from a salary cap standpoint. When you look at the makeup of that roster and the money committed to MKG, Biombo, Marvin Williams, Nick Batum, Cody Zeller, it's a disaster. There's light at the end of the tunnel, though. MKG, Biombo, and Marvin Williams all making about $15 million a year, which is, a, which is more than a third of your cap space. All of them come off the books next year. At the end of that, you have Nick Batum, who right now is on one of the worst contracts in basketball, and you have Zeller, who's a passable big man. Most teams can manipulate their way around one bad contract, maybe two, not five. Right. And that's where the Hornets are for one more year. So the sales pitch to Kimba would seem to be easy because Kimba is given all the signs that he's predisposed to stay in Charlotte. All you got to do, if that's, how, if that's where he wants to be, is look, man, this is the plan. But I'm telling you right now as I sit here and I'm on record a million times saying I believe Kimba Walker is the greatest Hornet of all time, he's gone. They are not going to go into luxury tax territory. And unless they do something wildly creative, they're not going to create the cap space. And what are the chances that the Hornets front office is going to do something wildly creative? Brick? Slim to none. (laughs) Slim to none. Just based on their history. I think part of the problem is they're afraid to go into that luxury cap area because they don't feel like they're going to improve as a team. So they're going to be average and they're going to stay average and then we don't want to spend money to continue to stay average and uh, so if they can find a way to find a player to make them better I could see them dipping in just for a second but not in the, not in the long haul so Robert as someone who's played at a really high level if you go back in time and you could have your choice of anywhere to go as a free agent how far does Charlotte rank <laughs> uh, behind any warm state uh, in any major market come on man why do y'all hate on Charlotte? We don't, Charlotte's we don't, not bad. I, don't I we, love Charlotte. I love but Charlotte. I want to live in Miami, San Diego. I mean, I'm, I'm going where the weather is. I, I'm thinking quality of life. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. The 45-year-old me loves me some Charlotte. Right. But maybe not the 18-year-old me. Right. Wow. I might be heading down to Uptown me, doesn't, need to, doesn't move the needle for you? No, I'm good on that. All right. Well, we're going to ask the very same question to Ala Abdel Nabi, former Duke star and current color guy for the Philadelphia 76ers. Um, I want you to think after he's off the phone, you guys were roommates at Duke, am I correct? Correct. Uh, think of your best a la Abdel Nabi oh story. I can't tell it on the air. <laughs> I'm sure that you can't, and I don't care if it makes it onto the air or not. I just want to hear. But he's going to be on the other side. I'm going to grill him. I want to find out what's going on with Tobias Harris and Jimmy Butler 
the Philadelphia 76ers draft and everything else. We'll see you on the other side of the break. You're listening to From the Cheap Seats. Stay tuned to From the Cheap Seats. We'll be right back. I don't know what we'll talk about, but it'll be cool. One eighty over one eleven, and I had a stroke. I couldn't speak or walk. One fifty over ninety, and I had a stroke. This is what high blood pressure sounds like. You might not feel its symptoms, but the results from a stroke are far from silent. Get back on your treatment plan or talk with your doctor to create a plan that works for you. Go to loweryourhpp.org. I had to tell everything's changed. Brought to you by the American Stroke Association, American Medical Association, and the Ad Council. So why do teenagers play high school sports? My reason why is a sense of purpose. My reason why is to inspire others. One reason student athletes seldom mention is to get an athletic scholarship. They know that only 2% of all high school athletes are awarded a sports scholarship. So why do they play? My reason why is friendship. Tell us your reason using the hashtag MyReasonWhy. This message presented by the NFHS and the North Carolina High School Athletic Association. Have you mixed your pain meds, your sleep meds, your allergy meds? Call the Poison Helpline. Has your child eaten a tube of toothpaste, a chip of paint, a wild mushroom? Call the Poison Helpline. Have you been bitten by a spider, a snake, an insect? Call the Poison Helpline. Poisonings can happen at the home, on the job, or in the great outdoors. Call the Poison Helpline first for fast, free advice from medical professionals. Call 1-800-222-1222 anytime, anywhere. 1-800-222-1222. Save the number, save a life. Brought to you by the U.S. Department of Health and Human Services. Joel Klein catches a 7 o'clock train after his evening CPR class at the American Red Cross. Ron Garrity's on the same train. He's had a rough day and doesn't feel like himself. Until he feels the sudden tightness in his chest, Ron never thought he'd actually have a heart attack. Until Joel is administering CPR, he never thought he'd actually save a life. When you train with the Red Cross, you change a life. Starting with your own. Call 1-800-RED-CROSS or visit redcross.org to learn about life-changing opportunities in your area. You're listening to From the Cheap Seats, national sports with a Carolina twist. All right, welcome back to From the Cheap Seats. Kristen Lambert, Brandon Atkins, and the inimitable Robert Bricky on the line with us, Allah Abdel Nabi. Allah, can you hear me? I can. Good morning, fellas. Hey, good morning, good morning. to you. Good morning to you. I'm. I'm What's up, Brick? What's up? I hear you, man. I, I told him before the break that after you got off the phone, I needed his best story about you. You guys were roommates at Duke, right? Oh my goodness! Uh, just ask, we got to wonder if the statute of limitations has run out. That's my only concern. <laughs> we promise. Word is word, word is mum. We we uh. We'll we'll make sure that it's uh it's fit for public consumption if we run let's it out. See, there. Let's keep it between ourselves. Yeah. Yes, yeah, sounds like a good plan. So, <laughs> so you've got. I, I want to jump in, and, and at some point, I, I want to get you back on the line down the road and 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 get your thoughts about Kay and the Brotherhood and the Duke program, and talk to you about recruiting. But right now, I am dying to know what's going on with the Sixers because Philly sort of holds the keys. To, to everything. I, Jimmy Butler and Tobias Harris now suddenly with, with Thompson and, and possibly Kawhi Leonard out of play. Those two guys are, are near the top of the list of available free agents. What is the Sixers' plan right now? 
Wow, that's a really good question. I, I think the Sixers have so many options right now that I don't think you can really um, hold yourself to just one approach because you've got what you want to do, but then you've also got things that you don't control. In other words, where is Jimmy Butler going to go? Um, where is Tobias Harris going to go? Are you going to offer both of the max contracts? Do they come? And then what happens to a guy like J.J. Redick? if they do come because you're way over the salary cap. So there's a lot of moving parts that I think, you know, one thing leads to another. So right now, I think the first question is, uh, do Jimmy and Tobias um, get offered and then accept contracts? Uh, You know, you're hearing a lot of different things. Uh, Jimmy Butler towards the end of the season kind of on Twitter said goodbye to the Sixers fans and thanked them. You don't know what you read into that. Um, what does that mean from his perspective? But at the same time, um, yeah, I think what happens to those two guys first um, depends a lot on what happens afterwards because you've got to at least get yourself some key free agents, whether they be the guys that wear your uniform or new guys coming in. Now, how long have you been? You, you do color for the Sixers. How long have you been associated with the franchise? In the I was. Day? This is. I finished four years. My first year was that glorious ten and seventy two season. That was a lot of fun. <laughs> now, in, in terms of how bad jobs suck, how bad was that ten and seventy two <laughs> trying to keep it interesting? How, how? What was that like? Let's just say it was probably the only year I actually earned my money. <laughs> Um, because, because because it was, you know, it was, like you said, um, on purpose designed to lose. And so it's tough to find a silver lining um, for that when you're talking about their fans. It's not like working for another uh, TV station or radio station where you're supposed to be objective when you're calling the games. My role is a little different with these fans. So uh, it was hard to establish a relationship with them when your team really wasn't given uh giving you much to work with yeah that had, that that had to have been brutal that's that's something now you you know you're there and and i'm sure that you know they don't let you into the front office when they're when they're you know game planning for free agency or anything like that but you have a special relationship with the with the team when when elton brand was hired he went all in for this year and, and knew that he was bringing in Tobias Harris and Jimmy Butler at great cost to the team. There was a lot of talent, a lot of picks got shipped out for those two guys. At the end of the day, going out in the second round of the playoffs to Toronto, does the front office see this Jimmy Butler-Tobias Harris experiment as a success? And would they have pulled the trigger on the same thing if they knew they were going to – a relatively early exit – even though they got, you know, it came down to one shot. Well, I think the one-shot scenario is a pretty big deal, and it's tough to it's tough to overlook. I don't think you should overlook it because you come one shot at home, game seven, uh, that bounces four times and goes <laughs> in to the, to the eventual world champion. So I think that does matter. I think it kind of validates uh, the approach that Elton took last year in that you, know, you came pretty darn close um, to winning the whole thing. Uh, so I. I don't, I don't, I don't know if it's something that automatically um, makes it makes it that those guys are going to be coming in, but I think it also gives you a lot of uh, confidence in that your coaches, your system, the guys that you did select, um, whether they be the same guys or new guys next year, you know what this team needs, and you're doing a good job of injecting parts in there. I think Elton has a good feel 
for this team and what it needs. I think another thing that this team needs to address is the bench, too. Um, you want to get, obviously, one of the best starting fives in the league, which the Sixers had last year, but you also want to supplement that with a good bench. So this is going to be an interesting offseason. T.J. McConnell's a free agent. Um, you've just brought in a guard, uh, Tybull, uh, in the draft. So you kind of wonder what they're going to do with him. So how does the bench look as well? The Sixers got a lot of questions. Um, I'm curious. I'm curious to see starting June 30th and moving forward how things um, progress. Let me ask you a question, La. Um, looking looking forward, has and give you're not privy to front office information as Chris just said, but if Harris and Butler decide to exit, who are they looking at bringing in? That's a really good question, Brick, <laughs> because I don't think many people following the Sixers have looked past that. I think right. they're hoping that both of those guys come back. If if not uh, both, at least, at least Jimmy, right. because of what he was able to do in fourth quarters of games last year. So I think uh, Sixers haven't really, Sixers fans haven't really looked past that. But I can tell you that the front office is looking, as you know, Rob, at every possible scenario and as you know, uh, what you intend to do uh, come July 1st may not be what you wind up with uh, towards the end of the summer. So do, do the Sixers see themselves as an elite destination? I'm not hearing that that's, right that's, now. That was part of my concern. I was like, yeah, talking about New York, uh, exactly. L.A. Exactly, L.A., Brooklyn. Brooklyn. Yeah, but I was like, yeah, you're nobody's not mentioned Philly. And I'm thinking if one or two of those guys exit They've got to fill a hole, and then you got to think about Ben Simmons has got to sign. He's got another yep. year on his contract. So looking forward, he's going to be looking for a max deal. Well, the the one thing that you said it earlier that they don't they don't I'm not privy to everything that they're talking about, but I have talked to Elton a little bit about it, and he said, you know, honestly, this is one of the biggest summers for this organization that they've had in the last five to seven years because of how things can go. We got so many pieces up in the air that could go elsewhere that could leave you, you know, in a position where you're now scrambling a little, um, and that's the situation you know no one wants to be in. But you're right, Rob. I have not heard Philadelphia being mentioned as a destination for any of these free agents right now. Hopefully, that'll change. Well, it, when you when you look at it, the the thing with Philly, Philly almost is is getting coverage right now. Because so much of the focus is on L.A. and New Orleans, that that people, you're right, I think people are looking past Philly, and there are big-time decisions to make. Harris, Butler, J.J. Redick. J.J. Redick, in the last two years, in each of the last two years, in his age 32 and 33 season, has set a new personal best for points per game. You know, when this guy was brought in last year for $23 million, um, he was just, you know, I think we all looked at it and said, well, he's a nice piece, but he's really just cap filler. You know, did 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 the organization really think they were going to get 18-plus points a night out of this guy? Well, I know they hoped it, but it's remarkable, isn't it, because of what he's been able to do. Um, he ain't getting younger like the rest of us. And <laughs> for him to log the amount of minutes at that age, and these are important minutes. I mean, he's the primary shooter, so... Imagine the amount of attention that he gets from opposing defenses, because their 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 uh, their outlook is is if you can stop JJ, then all of a sudden you're taking a huge part of the offense out, and yet he still is able to shine. And towards the end of each year of the last two years, he was getting stronger and actually shooting a higher percentage, 
which is just remarkable, which just says a lot about his professionalism, the way he takes care of himself. He's been an unbelievable surprise, and that's why I, when I mentioned him a little bit earlier, he's a need. Um, he, I don't think he's somebody that you can just let go and expect to get something exactly exactly the same in return. J.J.'s unique, and he's been a huge part of their offense. Well, speaking of shooting, in, in your conversations with Eldon, has he ever said, hey, Ala, could you maybe come out here and teach Ben Simmons how to shoot the basketball? <laughs> <laughs> I am the last guy they come to for any of that stuff. <laughs> Uh, listen, I, it, it's, I think it's just a sign of the time. Um, when when Robert and I, and I'm sure you guys, went to the park and played, like we did a lot of different fundamental things. Now there's a lot more games being played. I don't know if kids go to the park and play like we used to play. They play three AAU games a day. and um, it, it's, it's, it, I don't know if it leaves a lot of time for personal development. I, I, so I, I, you see guys who still have holes in their games that they need to work on. The thing that's interesting, you mentioned Ben Simmons. Um, nobody mentions Antetokounmpo in the same vein. In other words, what I mean by that is they really critique Ben for his lack of a jumper, but at the same time hesitate to, to say the same about Antetokounmpo. And I think Antetokounmpo's jumper um, needs a lot of work, too. Um, but I find it interesting that, and believe me, listen, I think Ben knows he needs to work on his jumper. But I just find it interesting that they're quick to jump on Ben, but then when they talk about Antetokounmpo's jumper, the words change. The words that they use are a little different. I think that's a fair assessment, and and it definitely is the hole in Antetokounmpo's game. I think that there's some some dismay nationally with Ben Simmons because of the flashes. You know, he came in and hit the ground running. It was triple doubles, it seemed like, every night. You know, making the highlight passes. He finishes on the break does the small things and it just seemed to the general viewing public like why can't he just add a jumper to his game right and yeah. and 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 I I question this this is from your perspective is it a foregone conclusion that Ben Simmons is worthy of and will get a max deal from the from the Sixers here in a, in a year or two uh, I I think it's a foregone conclusion okay <laughs> uh, because he's he's becoming a short period of time you know, a pillar, effective, one of the foundation guys. It, I mean, when you think of the Sixers moving forward, it's Ben and JoJo, JoJo and Ben. Um, so unless something crazy happens where he decides he doesn't want to return, but um, I think Ben uh, is going to work on his jumper. I think after two years of playing and kind of falling short and realizing what teams are doing to him, um, the reason why he came into the league and you know kind of was gangbusters at the beginning is because that's how the league works. People don't know who you what your game is right off the bat. So he came in and was outstanding, and then all of a sudden, because it's a small league, word gets around, figures out they figure out how to play you, um, and then you start to see towards the end of this first year, towards the playoffs, he struggled, um, and at times this season struggles with the way teams play him. Most teams play off of him. But you see teams like Toronto with Kawhi actually play up on him and kind of stifle his progress. Don't allow him to get any momentum going north and south. And I think it's teams like that um, that take that approach as opposed to playing off of him that have really had some success against Ben. But he's definitely got some adjustments to make for sure. If you, if I asked you to handicap the odds, just from a percentage standpoint, that these guys will be back, Jimmy Butler, what are the odds he returns? Ooh, 35%. All right. Tobias Harris? 55%. You say 55 or 65? 
55. percent. So you just a just a little bit of a nudge. JJ Reddick. I, okay. Ultimately, I think it's going to be 50-50 because I'm not quite sure that you get Jimmy and Tobias, which I think doesn't put you on the you know, towards the ceiling of the cap, which leaves money for JJ. If both of them come, he just there's not enough money left for him, um, the, especially uh, if they both get max contracts. So, um, 50-50 on JJ. I was in the urinal at the K Academy, and I look over, and it's JJ Reddick. And uh, I said, hey, man, are you, you know, what are you, what's your plan? He said, I'd like to return to Philly. It's yeah. going to be based on Tobias and, and Butler's response to the, whether or not they're going to return. So he said he'd like to be there, but he's got to look at his other options because if they return, there's no money. Yeah. Yeah, my advice to you is to stop talking to JJ in the bathroom. <laughs> but, 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 other, but other than that, you're right, you're right Rick, because – He's enjoyed playing for Brett Brown, um, being around him for the last two years on planes and buses. You get a chance to talk to JJ after bad games, after good games. Right. Kind of just, you know, you kind of just gauge his mood. And I think overall, he's really enjoyed his time there. Um, they give him, you know, he's got his own masseuse there. He's got the load management applies to him. So when he's worn out and he's tired, they give him nights off. Um, they've treated him well, so I, I'm not surprised that he wants to come right. back. I, like, you know, like he said, it's just about the money. I'm so, sure uh, LeBron James would be happy to give him massages if he went out to L.A. and tried <laughs> to help them win a championship. Well, and in, the, in that part of the fear with J.J. Redick is that, you know, shooting is at a premium in today's NBA. And Philly certainly, you know, has a – they have a better feel for what J.J. Redick can do, who he is, what his future looks like. But isn't that a, the fear that somebody's just going to come in and offer him something ludicrous to come out for three or four years? Absolutely, because that's how the Sixers got him. Offered him something, <laughs> yeah. offered him something ludicrous, $23 million for one year, um, which is something that, you know, from what I understand, not a lot of other teams are even coming close to that number. So, absolutely. I mean, you know, what, what happened to, to the Clippers – in their free agency, losing JJ might happen to the 76ers. It's a, that the free market is a wonderful thing. You, you mentioned Brett Brown, and to be fair, a lot of the national talking heads, and I include that in us or us in that because we, we've we, we've been a little hard on him. But you know, Brett Brown gets beat up a little bit in the in the national press. Give give me uh, about ninety seconds worth of what Brett Brown's strengths are. And why he seems to be so safe with the 76ers? Well, I think first off, it's his approach, his his uh, personality. Um, he's a positive, optimistic kind of guy. Um, he's constantly looking at the bright side of things, and I got to see that my first year when he was ten and seventy-two, because there aren't, aren't a lot of things to be uh, optimistic or upbeat about. But yet he was. Um, he does a really good job as of his. Going back to his role in San Antonio, a player development, he worked with guys like Kawhi when they first came into the league when they were in San Antonio. So he is really good at understanding what a guy, as far as his shortcomings are concerned, how that manifests itself into a game and what they need to improve on. So that, that I think, is one of his, his huge um, upsides. The other thing I've gotten over the last four years is he runs a really, um, I guess what you'd say, cutting-edge offense. It's it's a quick hitting, changing side, bodies moving, ball moving kind of offense. The phrase is from good to great as far as shots are concerned. 
keep moving the ball around. Um, so for me, I, I, he brings a lot to the table. Um, also, with, like J.J. Reddick's case and other guys, um, they're really fond of him. They, they really enjoy playing for him, feel like he has their back. He's a player's coach. Um, and as a player, Robert can tell you, too, that's a big deal. That matters a lot. Um, knowing that a, a guy's in your corner. So there are a lot of things um, that he brings to the table, and I think he's also getting better. Um, you know, he's never coached in the NBA before. He was a head coach in Australia for many years, but learning the game now, 20 years later, is a, is a lot different than it was when he was the la- last time he was a head coach. I so, so. I, I listen, I, I've gotten to learn a lot about him over the years, and everything I've seen, I like. I think some of the lazy analysis with with regard to Brett Brown is well, you got Ben Simmons that comes in and you know they can't develop a jump shot, and then Markel Fultz shows up in the program, you know, and all of a sudden can't shoot. I don't know that Brett Brown is doing too many you know jump shot drills, but what is it more than just coincidence that you've got two number one overall picks that are that, that have struggled up to this point? Of course, Fultz is gone now to Orlando. And I'd be interested to see if you think he can regain that potential and get back on an upward trajectory. But how is it just that there was so much focus on these two guys, or is is there something going on? I don't think there's anything going on. I think uh, Markel came with his own situation that I think he's still dealing with. Um, so I don't know how you can put that on the Sixers. The guy was dealing with one of those phantom injuries that no one could diagnose for a long time, and as he was starting to feel pain um, and not know where it was coming from, it started to mess with his head. And I think that's understandable, too, when you're talking about a 19-year-old kid who up until that point has felt invincible, and now all of a sudden his body is kind of letting him down. And I think it was starting to get to him. Um, Being the number one overall, playing for the 76ers with a team that's expected to win and win now, I don't think that attention that the team was getting helped him any. Um, because now he was under the microscope, the meat grinder, if you will, because um, things were expected of him. Um, but I don't think you can put that on a, on a guy like Brett Brown. In other words, it wasn't Brett Brown and when Ben Simmons prior, when he was at LSU or prior to that, was telling him not to shoot jump shots. It wasn't, you know what I mean? Like, you only can work with what you have and um, when he's there. So when they make themselves available to you, you work with them. And that's, that, that's all you can ask from a guy like Brett Brown. But those guys will get better. Um, don't underestimate Ben Simmons' work ethic because I see what he does. The jumper takes a while, and especially um, a jumper in a game that you feel confident that you can rely on. That takes a while, and I think Ben's still a work in progress. What do you feel like the general mood of the franchise was with regard to Fultz when they finally pulled the trigger and shipped him down to Orlando? This is a guy that reportedly was, was untouchable as they had looked at some deals in the offseason before to finally pull the deadline, the, the trigger at the deadline and ship him down for a number one to Orlando. What was the what was the feeling like? Was there was it generally disappointment? Was there some relief to be done with, you know, the saga that, that seemingly wouldn't end? What was the mood relative to that? Well, I can tell you what I perceived was everyone wished them the best. Um, I don't think anybody had given up on them. They were even when he was still up until the last day with the Sixers, they were still working with them. They had hired a team psychologist. I mean, they all the signs were that they were putting in whatever they needed to to help him succeed. Um, and then I just think it's as simple as getting a deal that you like. 
um, you know, when as opposed to those moments when you thought he was untouchable, I think those were just, you, know, you can write those off as not getting a deal that you, you thought was satisfactory for a number one overall pick. And then when the deal does come that you like, you just pull the trigger. So I think that it's as simple as that. Um, but I don't think there's any animosity or any negative feelings towards the guy because what I saw, even up until the last day, was that they were still working with him. Let me ask you this, La. Do you think it was more of a form, a, a uh, function of mechanics, or was it mental with folks? Because, okay, if you think about Charles Barkley's golf swing, <laughs> I, I, that's what I think about with folks. It seems like it's all in his head, and he's thinking about everything he's doing up until the point he shoots the ball. Well, I agree with you, Brick. I think you're seeing those yips, the, the free throw at Miami. That's, right. I think, the one, the video that everyone saw. Um, I think that's an end result of all the wear and tear on his head. I don't think that is the physical part. I think the physical part, Rob, was him not being able to lift his shoulder up okay. the same way each time. Right. And that messes with you. Right. But I think it started with his arm not working properly. And then him going to doctors and them telling him, there's nothing wrong with you. We can't find anything. But yet he goes back home and can't lift his arm, can't sleep on it. And he's saying to himself, well, what is going on here? So I think after months of that, then you get the attention of people noticing that your, you know, your jumper looks crazy. Um, then all of a sudden, I think that's when the mind starts to come in because you start to worry. Right. Um, you're afraid of looking bad, of failure out there, especially out on that stage. Um, it's a tough place um, to, to put yourself out there, Rob. You know what that's yeah. like. Yeah, um, every, everyone sees when you succeed and everyone sees when you fail. And I think at that level, with that kind of attention, I think yeah. it got to his head for sure. Yeah. All right, dude, the Sixers adjust. They, they changed their slogan from trust the process to adjust the process. <laughs> Listen, isn't everybody adjusted, right? Yeah. I mean, it seems that, like that, they, that's what... they've got to a point where they seem established now. But what do you do from here? So you've got to adjust the process, and uh, it's a big off season. I, I, I like because I, I love Embiid because he's a he's right. a character plus he's a player. So right, um, I like watching your the team play. I hope they can kind of keep some guys around, manage some pieces, bring some new faces in, and keep it going. So. I, I agree. Big in the East. No, I think it, this is a big summer for them, and I think the idea that um, you know what this is like—it's—I it, 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 think it's easy to go from bad to mediocre, right? But it's really hard. Those small little increments that make a championship team—I think it's really hard to go to good to be in a championship right. team. Um, and I think that's where the Sixers find themselves right now. Is they've got um, pieces there and Ben and JoJo with pieces that they're hopefully going to add to that, but they know that they're going to be decent moving forward. It's just a matter of they want to be excellent. And what are those extra little pieces going to take? Like I said, I think after the key um, free agent guys, whoever they may be, the bench has to be the next um, right. the next approach. Well, speaking of, of bench options, um, there's an interesting story developed last year. Was it, I guess has has come to a happy conclusion, um, or maybe the the rest of us, you know, yet to be written. Zaire Smith was taken out of Texas Tech by the Sixers in the first round last year. Sixteenth pick, very very athletic young man from from uh, the Red Raiders. He had an off season foot procedure and then had an allergic reaction to sesame of all things, 
and this almost killed him. Am I am I right about that? Yeah, and as an Egyptian, I can't understand an allergy an allergy towards sesame. That's kind of in our blood. <laughs> wow, I, I I had no idea. Um, so <laughs> allergic an allergy to sesame. That's a that's like a DNA. Type I've never situation. heard. Of, I've never heard of that. I believe it exists. I know it took a toll on him, and he lost sixty pounds. Wow. And, I mean, it could be worse. It could be like chocolate or beer. You know what I mean? <laughs> well, the, here's the thing. Here's how it affects everyone else. Now there can't be any sesame or anything on the team plane or at a team meal or at a, at a table. Uh, it has been eliminated from anybody else's life as well. Now, he knew prior to this that he had that type of, uh, of allergy to sesame. Is that correct? I, you know what? That's a good question. I assume so, but I don't know. I honestly don't know. Well, I know that the the expectations in the aftermath of it were that he wasn't going to play last year. He actually did come back and play six or seven games at the end of the uh, end of the season. Got a couple minutes in the playoffs, but Smith is a guy that came in that you know for a team that was on the trajectory that Philly was really looked like he could come in and and you know assume a role pretty early on. Is, is there a lot of optimism with him with regard to basically having him come in? And this is like a thing with the with the Sixers, man. You got what, What's going on in Philly where you have a guy miss their entire rookie year? This is three in like five years. Um, what, are the, what, what are the expectations for Zaire Smith in, in year two? Uh, well, I think everyone needs an extra year just to move into Philadelphia, the downtown <laughs> apartment. Downtown housing is really, really tough. But, um, no, I, I think... He's expected to be a defender, um, and I think that's where the Sixers missed out on him this season. Uh, you see them going and get another guy who's a decent defender um, in Tybalt. So there's there's a need for guys who don't need the ball in their hands but can be locked down defenders. The, the phrase is three and D now, where you can knock down threes and you can defend. Um, and I think that's where the Sixers missed out on him. He's certainly expected to come in and contribute on the defensive end. And then if the jumper that he has is coming along, which I think it has, uh, the one good thing about his time off is his jumper got a little bit better because he worked on it when he could. Uh, I, I expect him to come in and add a lot defensively for sure. All right. You say his jumper's a lot better. Why wasn't he working out with Ben? That's that's all I really want to know. <laughs> you got to remember, he wasn't even allowed to be on the floor for like four months because wow, he has wow. been so sick. That is unbelievable. Hey, we appreciate you coming by. Um, how soon can we get you back on? Listen, I will be available to you, especially if Robert's still, uh, you know, around. And <laughs> you guys are They've been trying willing to, to tolerate him. him. If you're willing to tolerate you. both of us, how do I say no to that? I, I feel like we've we've got all the leverage now because we're like, hey, you're going to have to come back on, or you know, we're going to let Robert loose on the mic telling stories. <laughs> <laughs> I've, got, I've got to come back sooner rather than later. <laughs> hey, we appreciate your time, Allah Abdel Nabi, Duke star and now color guy. I guess that's the, is that the official title? color guy, color analyst for the uh, Philadelphia 76ers. Hey, man, have a great week, and uh, thanks again. Thanks, guys. Appreciate your break. Take care, man. Yeah, we'll man. talk you soon. You too, man. Take care. All right, baby. Thanks, guys. All right. Guys, I feel like we just got schooled. Yeah. He knows a little bit more than we do. A little bit. A little bit. Even more than you? Hey, listen, I, I know my role. Uh, see, I th- I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to qualify that. I'm going to say that. You know, as it applies to the Sixers, there's, I mean, definitely. Yeah, yes. No question. But in terms of basketball Overall, knowledge, I'm going to call it a wash. 
No, I'll have yeah. I'll have the advantage. You'll have, you'll yeah. see, you'll see, you were I'll, trying I've to be gracious, coach. and now all I've of a sudden you're not anymore. It's different when you coach it. You see things from a different perspective. Not that he doesn't, but. No, what a cool job, though, man. Oh, yeah. To sit 82 times a year, talk about some basketball. I mean, he's been doing it now for four or five years. How much preparation really has to go into it? I think he, most of it is just interviewing, <laughs> sitting down with players and coaches. There you go. Taking a few notes. It's amazing. At that is the job. That dude's, yeah, he's winning in life. Yeah. Winning at life. He's good at it, too. He's really <clears throat> How good long do you have to know him before you can refer law. to him as law? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So how can we, how long is it going to take us to work into that inner circle, or is it just never in the world, you know? I it, think it, you have to have, uh, you have to break bread and have a beverage. Got gotcha. Fair enough. All right, we'll see you on the other side of break. You're listening to From the Cheap Seats right here in Central North Carolina. I don't know what we're going to talk about on the other side, but as they say, it'll be cool. From the cheap seats, we'll be right back. WFJA 105.5, Sanford, Pinehurst, Southern Pines. Tweens have mastered the art of tuning out. Jen, there's a spider in the car. We're turning your room into a home gym. See? Nothing. But some messages need to get through. Like making sure they're buckled up the whole ride, every time. Do whatever it takes to make your child listen. Jen, I friended your boyfriend. Wait, what? Buckle up, sweetie. Never give up until they buckle up. Learn more at safercar.gov slash kidsbuckleup. A message from the National Highway Traffic Safety Administration and the Ad Council. Check her out. Oh, man. When young men turn 18, they think they know a lot about the facts of life. But there are a few more facts they need to know. Fact, you have to register with Selective Service when you turn 18. It's the law. Fact, registration keeps you eligible for government jobs and student loans. Fact, it's easy to register. Just visit sss.gov or any post office. Register with Selective Service when you turn 18. It's the law. And that's a fact. We all come together and stand together to serve our veterans. We invest in the latest technology. We take the time to train the next generation of doctors and nurses. We work together to make sure we heal their bodies and their minds. This is our mission. More than 300,000 of us working as one, together with families and loved ones. No matter where they live in this country, we'll be there. We stand strong, united. Stand with us in caring for our veterans. We are there, day one, with baby names and a gift that lasts a lifetime. We are there, as you grow, protecting you and those you love. And we are there, as you start your next chapter. We are with you through life's journey. We are Social Security, securing today and tomorrow. Get to know us at socialsecurity.gov. Produced at U.S. taxpayer expense. You're listening to From the Cheap Seats, a bunch of guys who have never been fired from ESPN. You know, I don't know if you guys are aware of this, but when you're on social media, Instagram, for instance, the mic on your phone, and and I, I thought this was an urban legend, but it's not. I'm convinced at this point. You know, 
Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, all of them have these elaborate algorithms that feed you ads and anticipate what you're interested in. I, I thought that was a myth until one of my daughters demonstrated it for for me a couple years ago and was on Instagram. And she said, watch this. And we started talking about dogs for, I don't know, five minutes. And within five minutes, a dog food ad popped up on her Instagram feed. And I was like, what is going on? I, I am here to tell you, this computer right here is freaking me out. <laughs> because I don't know that there's a mic associated with this computer, but this is three times this morning that this computer has like known where I was going with something. Um, it's kind of bizarre. First of all, I bought. I you've you've seen my my newest kicks. You know I'm a sneakerhead. Oh yeah. And and my newest edition was the Dame Fives, the new Damian Lillard shoes. Um, I pulled up and opened the the computer this morning. First thing that pops up, first page I go to, Dame Five ad. I'm like, come on, man. What are the odds? Big brother. They're, they're, they're not doing a, you know, they're You're not doing a push it. like that. But I hadn't even spoken. I hadn't even said like it, five it words. It just mind. knew from like my fingerprints, the the pressure I was putting on the keyboard. This dude would probably be interested in some name fives. Of course, it was a little late, so they need to work on their algorithm. But the most recent one, as we came into the break, I wanted to talk about the Charlotte Hornets draft a little bit. And I typed in the letters J-A-L. And surely there are plenty of things that could start J-A-L. In fact, Jalen Rose would yeah. be, you know, one that would come to mind right away. Who married Molly Karam, by the way. Who's now your... I have to change my fantasy football team's name because I'm like talking I don't even know how That's... I don't even know how to characterize that it. That was your ESPN crush and somehow that ruined it for you. Yeah, it's over now. I get Jalen there's nothing wrong with Jalen Rose, but yeah, I felt like me and Molly had a, a relationship. We had a thing, and now she's married. And you dropped the news on me, and you were so matter-of-fact about it. Oh, you know she's married to Jalen Rose. No, I didn't. So I go straight to the Internet. I don't know how that slipped past me. And I don't know what happened to my invitation to the wedding. I'm a little dismayed. Not going to lie. I've got a question for you. Yeah. Why are you buying basketball shoes? See, th- there you go. I, I, I'm living. I'm living out my dreams. In my mind, I'm still six foot one, 195 pounds, not six foot one, two. You know so I got to the point where I buy polo shoes. I don't even want anything that makes me look <laughs> athletic anymore. I get comfortable walking shoes. See, there at this point, you know, anymore. when I'm full bore keto and I'm in decent form, I'm not even gonna call shape. I, I, I can look at least a little athletic. And the basketball shoes just sort of, they, 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 it's a suggestion to people. Oh, yeah, he's probably an athlete at some okay. point let in me, his life. Let me tell you what real players think about that. <laughs> Clown. Like, They're that, like, that, that dude just dropped play. 130 bucks on Those some kicks. Shoes and he can't play And he can't play at all. Because he has no, well, matching shorts and jersey. That's a dead giveaway a guy can't play. That's let funny. Me, um, Jump in here, just bad. But but for folks that don't know you that well, and I'm not even gonna look down to see if if it's what's going on today. But you are quick to like kick your shoes off in any in any circumstance. I'm tired, but I have them on. Uh, for how much longer though? Not long. All right. Yeah, Ricky is quick, and he's got enormous. What, what, what do you mark about fifteen? Yeah, he's quick. What's to that? Jettison the shoes in any circumstance. It doesn't matter. Business meeting at the house, in at, on the golf course. It doesn't matter. He just take his shoes matter. off. Is that suede I'm looking at right there? 
You know, I don't know what he's made of. It honest. looks like suede to me. Let me jump in here. Like, so my favorite, I've had it forever. My favorite pair of, I guess you call them high-end flip-flops, broke <laughs> on me. Oh. So, oh. I, you know, I was kind of sad. I've already tossed them. I thought about getting them fixed, but, but for the amount, uh, it was just kind of a sad thing. So have you ever had a pair of kicks that you were like, they finally blew out on you and you are like just heartbroken for a yes. long time? Yes. What would that be for you? I had a pair of Venturini dress shoes that were like my casual, my dress casual go-to that I was rocking for 16, 17 years probably. And the sole finally wore through on both of them at the same time to where it, it initially became a crack and then it just became a hole that quickly. So if it was if it was wet outside, you couldn't see because the sole had cracked. So as long as it wasn't wet outside, you were good. But then one day I went, I was out, I had them on, and it started raining, and the water got up into them, and it just messed them up. I took them to – here's the thing. Here's a lost art. You know, back in the day, you could fix anything, right? right. You had an expert, a go-to. Well, I took them to a cobbler, a real honest-to-goodness shoe guy, and was like, hey, man, i got to save these shoes. I'm really not concerned with how much it, it costs these are my shoes. And he looked at him. He's like, can't do a thing with them. How, how is that even possible? You must have worn I mean, those. they were made in the first place. How can you not take them apart and remake them? This is what you do, baby. It's like you put a new sole on it. Right. But he uh, he had to explain to me how there it was a combination. It wasn't just stitching. It was stitching and glue. And they, you're just going to have to get another pair. And I searched and searched and searched for that particular pair. Now, of course, they did don't you, make them anymore. Did you so. storm out yelling... Well, you can't be considered a cobbler anymore. I should have. In fact, I may go back by today and say that. Hey, non-cobbler. Yeah. Isn't that a cool... Is that a cool name of a job, or is it lame? I went... I think it's cool. I went straight to the dessert. Me too. (laughs) My head went straight to the cobbler, the peach cobbler. Well, the reason I was looking up the letters J-A-L and the internet and this computer knew what I was looking for, it flipped straight to Jalen McDaniels. And there probably is a significant amount of searching going on for him. He was taken with the last of the Charlotte Hornets picks. And this is an interesting guy. And I, I need your, your guys' spin on it. Because I'm not 100% certain that y'all know what all the hubbub is about. McDaniels is a guy that was seen as a fringe first-round talent um, coming out as a, after his freshman season at San Diego State. Um, I take that back. Sophomore year at San Diego State. And McDaniel's fringe first round player, so to get him near the end of the first of the second round, probably not bad for the Hornets. I'll get into that side of it on the you know in another segment. But the problem with Mr. McDaniel's is that he was he has been sued now twice by girls that he went to high school with oh, no. for filming them in compromising situations and releasing that mm-hmm. to his circle of friends. Right. Um, both of them filed suit, and both of them, it, there isn't much dispute that it actually happened. In one situation, he was hiding in a closet and videotaped his friend and a young lady. And then in another situation, he videotaped himself and a young lady, apparently without her consent, and then distributed these videos. Now, both of these young ladies have had some significant negative circumstances that they've come into in association with that. So this guy in 2019, in the Harvey Weinstein Me Too era where there is a very distinct 
definition of right and wrong as it applies to interactions between men and women. How much how much do you discount the fact ah the kid was just in high school? Or is this something that when all things being equal, there's not a whole lot of difference between the 35th best player in a draft and the 65th best player in the draft. Should the Hornets have taken a pass or should they have taken what may end up being a flyer on a kid with some upside? Uh, you know, I just feel like you start re- recording people in compromising positions that that's not that's not ex- excusable. You know what I mean? And it, it, even if you're saying, well, oh, you, it's Chalk it up being in high school. If he's already doing this in high school, what's he going to be doing as an adult? You know what I mean? Right. Um, to me, I mean, I mean I'm not going my, to associate myself with them, particularly like if I'm the owner of a team, I don't even want that kind of energy coming, coming my way, you know? Well, and if it were a team other than the Hornets, and I know we, we beat on the Hornets a little bit around here, it's sometimes fair, sometimes probably not. But doesn't it just, doesn't it just seem like the Hornets are unlikely to have done a whole lot of due diligence with regard to this. Yeah, of course. We've seen it. They've drafted players with now without even having met with them before. <laughs> so, I mean, it's on them. I mean, they, they, you know, I'm a Tar Heel. I love Michael Jordan. But great player, great owner. I don't know about all that. Because, he, you know, if you're not even meeting with play, I mean, just think about the Firebirds. If you had never seen a kid live or talked with them or met with them, you'd say all the time that you talked. You know, it's as much about character as it, their ability on the ball court. Would you ever have a, t- a kid on your team that you hadn't met with on that level? No, uh, because I represent an organization, and my decisions affect the uh, reputation of the organization. So I have to be pretty sure that we're bringing in a character, a kid with high character so that we don't have off the court uh, instances of uh, bad behavior because I think that comes down to the difference between right right and wrong you can say young, high school, whatever whatever, we've all done dumb things but it comes down to right and wrong and that's criminal that's just not wrong, that's criminal so if I were the Hornets I really would have gone overboard with preparing to bring this young man in hey, when you get here we're going to have you in, enroll in this class to deal with I don't know you gotta you gotta in a way you gotta cover yourself with a PR campaign to make sure that you you've covered your bases to say we've done what we could to make sure he this doesn't happen on our watch yeah. I did I did just find out he's cousins with Juwan Howard as well so Juwan needs to pick up the phone and school this young man on how and the other thing about that is let's say you do want to chalk it up as him just being young and overlook it. Guess what? You got a whole squad looking at you, going, "Well, if, he al- if the staff and ownership allows this, then just check out what I can get away with." I, sent- I think it sends the wrong message. Yeah, we'll talk about Jalen McDaniels and the rest of the Hornets draft on the other side of the break. You're listening to from the cheap seats in Central North Carolina. Check us out on social media at Cheap Seat Radio. The Cheap Seats is a production of Cheap Seat Media, LLC. Broadcast locally on WFJA 105.5 FM. Adopt U.S. Kids presents Multiple Choice Parenting. You've messed up your daughter's haircut. Do you, A, get spiritual? Mom, where's the mirror? Beauty is within. 
Oh. B. Find the positives. Less time blow drying, more time texting. Or C. Show empathy. Mom, you really don't have twinsies. I kind of love it. You don't have to be perfect to be a perfect parent. Thousands of teens in foster care will love you just the same. For more information on adoption, visit AdoptUSKids.org. A message from the U.S. Department of Health and Human Services, AdoptUSKids, and the Ad Council. Swimming pools can be lots of fun, but they can be dangerous too, especially for young children. Always practice simple safety steps to prevent tragedies. Fence all pools. Teach kids to swim. And always watch them around water. No horseplay. Simple steps save lives. To learn new life-saving steps, visit PoolSafely.gov. A public service message from the U.S. Consumer Product Safety Commission. A message from the American Migraine Foundation. It's an absolute nightmare. There's pain that does not stop. I feel trapped by migraine. Migraine is a disabling disease. I feel like I'm dying. You feel like the world's closing in on you. There's nothing you can do. It's like you're trapped in your head. There's no escaping it. You can't leave your body. Don't suffer alone. Make your move against migraine. Visit AmericanMigraineFoundation.org to find help, learn more, and get connected. To buy your home, you became a house-hunting ace. Learned about loans, scoured neighborhoods, and asked the right questions. Now you're queen of your castle. If you manage that, you can get your retirement plan on track. Visiting aceyourretirement.org can help. With 401k tips and smart saving strategies, you'll feel empowered to own your retirement like you own your home. Go to aceyourretirement.org. Because when it comes to clearing financial hurdles, you're an ace. Brought to you by AARP and the Ad Council. You're listening to From the Cheap Seats. Check us out on social media at Cheap Seat Radio or visit us at www.cheapseatradio.com. All right, welcome back. I feel like I'm in a time vacuum, guys. I just looked at the clock. I'm like, oh, wow, I forgot. We had uh, Mr. Abdel Nabi on for a full half hour, so that's two weeks kind in a of, kind of two weeks by. in a row with stellar interviews. Fire, interviews. straight fire. Yeah, for real. I got a quick question for you. So there's billboards going up, Kawhi Leonard billboards going up in L.A. calling him the king of SoCal, <laughs> and I was just curious as to how much if you were deciding to move to a team or deciding on your location or your destination. How much of an impact having billboards up there calling you the king of anything? Would that move the needle for you guys? It, it would you... depend on how Kobe Bryant fans react to that. Because remember, they, you know, they, they weren't happy about the LeBron James billboards. Right. So it would depend. No, I, I think it absolutely would. The thing with Kawhi, and, and haven't we all been in a relationship at some point in our lives where it was, you know, it could have been the girl's kid. It could have been the girl's brother that we were cool with. It could have been, you know, our circle of friends. And it wasn't, you know, you just weren't in love with that girl. It, it was obvious she wasn't the one. But there were other factors where you were like, I can't break their heart. Right. Isn't Kawhi in that situation now? I mean, every part of him wants to follow through on what he said he was going to do, and that was to go to Southern California. Right. And now he's up there, and he's like, how do I break Six million hearts. I mean, the whole country of Canada has embraced this guy. I don't know what the population of Canada is. What is it? Thirty-five million. million? Look at you, Mister World Traveler. You're a trivia buff, man. I didn't know, but thirty-five million people. Because there's nobody in Canada that's like 
Kawhi is trash. I wish Kawhi would get out of here. Kawhi is overrated. No, they love this dude. This dude should renounce his U.S. citizenship (laughs) and become the prime minister of Canada. Healthcare is a little better. Healthcare, I don't know. It depends on who you ask, man. People need real procedures. I bet if they need some specialty, yeah, they come. I, people aren't getting their ACLs replaced in Canada. Yeah, but it's for the general public. Uh, for the general public, the general I'm, public, I'm sure. And you are an expert in the field of, of benefits, so I'll take your word for it. But Kawhi, who has more than enough cheese to take care of his own healthcare issues, but that is one of the factors as well. Plus, he gets free food. Not free food. How could you pass that up? Well, you know, it's funny because I didn't realize this was a thing, and you'd be able to speak to this. Brandy, you've been up there, but not with that kind of frequency. But one of the things I heard Stephen Jackson hit on this and was like, this is a big deal that people don't realize, is the Raptors, when they come in and out of the country, they still have to go through customs. And the customs line, apparently, for these guys is an hour to an hour and a half most of the time when they're coming in and out of the country. That has got to be a pain in the butt. It is. I mean, you've got to unload. You've got to push all your luggage through security screen machines. They've got to check you. They've got to ask you questions. It's a whole procedure. I mean, you just imagine. They've got, what, 41 road games? Yeah. they got to do that 41 times a year? So here's the, here's the question I'd ask you is, you know, when you're profiling folks, the NBA has done a great job. The NBA stays above the fray. You don't hear about a whole lot of, of domestic abuse as it applies to, uh, to the NBA. You don't hear about a whole lot of criminal stuff. But it is fair to say that a significant number of players in the NBA smoke weed. Yes. So I'm sure that the customs guys know that, too. And they're like, we're not going to get you often. But on occasion, we're going to pop one of y'all coming through that forgot you had something in your bag. Now think about it. It's legal across the whole country of Canada now. So, like you say, you could just have a stash in your bag and forget and get to the border. And that could be an issue. And, and it's not. I'm sure that the Canadian authorities are like, yeah, we're going to go through the motions here. Right. We're not trying to upset anybody, especially Kawhi. Right. Can you imagine? They're like, yeah, oh, no, 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 you're good. But coming into the States... You, you, you're thinking those custom agents are like, hey, uh, come on back over here. Maybe maybe cavity search. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> what do we got going on? <laughs> Think about them coming back in during the finals. Right. Flying back into, into OKC, or, uh, Golden State. You think there might have been a Golden State fan or two on the uh, security detail there at the customs that's like, hey, a little bit extra here. <laughs> you're going to have to get naked. <laughs> oh, my gosh. <laughs> All right. That's the thing, too, is Toronto is such a great – it's like one of my favorite cities um, that I've been to. And I've, I've traveled a little bit. I've been to every Hampton Inn in the country. So I've, <laughs> I've been around a little bit. And Toronto itself sells the players. You know what I mean? Because it is such an awesome city. I'd say it's probably, like, in North America, top – at least top five cities that I'd I've been agree. to. I'd agree. It's, and so you can put up with a little bit of that cold. You can always travel in the off season too. Right. You know. You know, it's. Uh, I think it's considered the most diverse, culturally diverse city in the world. What? Yes. How can that be in the melting pot that is America? How can Canada have a more diverse city than we do? You know what? I think their immigration policies are a little different. So they have people coming in from different. Oh, I mean, if you want authentic any kind of food from around the world, you can find it in Toronto. Sounds like a road trip, man. Let's go. You you guys have both talked in glorious terms about Toronto. I'm going to have to get up there and check it out. You'd love it. It's on my list of places I have not been. Got to check it out. It's funny because, you know, as American from the South, 
and having flown all over the country before in my lifetime, my career, it's funny. Like if you if it ices up just a little bit at an RDU, and then they just shut the whole place down. And in Toronto, they they will land planes in six feet of snow. <laughs> and not think about it. Not a big deal. So they got jumbo jets with skis on the bottom, like the like the water airplanes, the water aircraft with the little pontoons on the back. You, you got the same the, thing for for you know jumbo jets. The high is going to be in Toronto today. What's, what's that? Seventy. Seventy today. The high. It's the end of June. That's what. You, see, but I mean, that's lovely. It's phenomenal. It's, yeah, it's lovely. I'm sure until you get to November. Oh yeah, it and starts, February. It starts snowing in October. Man, oh man. I remember being on the no, tarmac one no, time. No, 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 no. And it was snowing so hard that that I'm like. All right, getting my stuff about to go find a Hampton Inn. (laughs) D-board. And all of a sudden, I just hear this stuff hitting, this liquid hitting the side of the plane. And I'm like, we're getting off, right? And the person sitting next to me is like, first time to Toronto. And so they just basically de-ice it. And they're like, boom, you can't wait because they'll ice right back up. And as soon as they finish icing it, you're in the air. Dude, that's out of control, man. I don't know. I I don't know. I think I'm going to drive to Toronto. (laughs) No, just go in the spring, summer. It's phenomenal. All right, Now, cool. winter is another story. Do not go in the winter. All right. Going back to the Charlotte Hornets draft, I give these guys a B-. minus. I had them just into the second half in terms of grades. Um, I didn't think it was a disaster for the Hornets. Um, this is a team that needs some impact players. I did think that it was interesting that Cupcheck over the weekend, as he was talking, cause, and, and he does a good job of, of dealing with the media and being pretty accessible. He said that their plan for their three rookies they added, and that would be P.J. Washington with the 12th pick of the draft, which I know you like, Brandon. You actually called that pick months ago, which was interesting. Um, Caleb or uh, Cody Martin, excuse me, his, his twin brother's name is Caleb. Cody Martin out of Nevada, a pick that I hated, and then Jalen McDaniels, and I'm, I'm willing to give the kid the benefit of the doubt because I don't want to be judged for things I did at 17 or 18, but definitely has a close eye on him. Those three guys, the, the, the organization's already come out and said, well, the plan with these guys is for them to see significant time in the G League. What are you, what? You're the Hornets, and you suck. You need to be calling you need to be G League team dude, players come up. Come on, man. Your your plan with these guys, you can't go into the draft thinking that's what we're looking for, some guys we can send down to the G League. Negative, sir. Negative. Outside of Kimba Walker, the Hornets are the G League to the NBA. Right? Hey, absolutely. What are you doing? If you, if you really thought, eh, well, these are guys that are G League ready, you, you should have drafted somebody different. They had options. So, I'm um, never going to forgive them. If Bol Bol becomes a star in the NBA, I will never forgive the fact that they passed that's on That's a dude game. you take a chance on. Yeah, absolutely. Because if it works out, okay, you've, you've picked a bunch of busts in the past, so, this <laughs> one, so getting another one wouldn't be a big deal. And this would be cheap. By the time he went. This guy is skilled and can protect the rim. And I'm like, if he just stays healthy, you you got a winner. How do you let that guy slide? I have no idea. You're in the East. If you're only rolling him out against Embiid a couple of times a year, it's worth it to draft him at that spot. You know, know, we always are critical of the Charlotte Hornets' number one draft pick year in and year out. Robert, what do you think about P.J. Washington? What do you think about his game? I think it's solid, but it's not okay. It's good enough to keep you in nice place. Okay, so that's kind of what Chris says too. So we can't trust the process there. We need a slogan in Charlotte. Maybe that's what we need to do. See, I'm a little bit higher on PJ Washington because two things. First of all, he tested the waters last year in the NBA draft and realized he couldn't shoot. Then he comes back to Kentucky 
And what did we find out? He was six eight six eight player that finally has a jump shot, at least at the uh, college three point line level. And he made that much of a incline in terms of the improvement from year to year. So I just feel like he's got a bit, big enough body to play in the league. Kentucky lost their mind when he got hurt last year. Everybody, it was news for the you know an entire week that PJ Washington wasn't going to be playing towards you know the Sweet Sixteen. I feel like I see him improving. He's not going to be a superstar, but I'm looking around. Maybe Bowl Bowl. What I told Chris was that I was looking around for anybody else to pick besides him. I, I just feel like <laughs> they just ran out of players. You know, it just wasn't. It was deep up until I guess. Well, it depends on who you ask. You could ask Nas Little how deep it was. Getting drafted twenty fifth, but um, what uh, well, top- Nas Little may end up at Nas Little, and we'll we'll cover that more just in a second. But Nas Little may end up being the best pick out of this draft. I mean, where he went, there's no pressure, and Nas Little's going into a, a circumstance where, you know, if he can't succeed there, he can't succeed anywhere. But with the PJ Washington pick for Carolina folks out there, I'm going to give you two corollaries. Uh, it's not really a corollary. I don't know what it is. But I'm going to give you two examples of guys who I think his game is most like. In recent memory, just a couple, last year, I think P.J. Washington, the guy he reminds me most of from last year's draft, is Wendell Carter Jr. He's a little bit smaller. He's a guy that can play face in the basket, has a decent mid-range game, would do a little bit down in the paint you know, for a 6'8 guy. Um his ceiling, though, NBA-wise, I'll go back to the Hornets um, from back in the day. I'm going to go with um, David West. I think he's a lot like David West. I think that's sort of the upside. And, uh, you know, David West was a nice player for a very long time. He was. I think that is the ceiling for P.J. Washington. This guy's not going to be an all-star. Um, but, you know, they need some pieces, and at 12 – Unless you you know strike gold with a Donovan Mitchell type pick that nobody saw coming, you know, what do you really expect there? You always draft the guy with two two names that are the same, Bow Bow. <laughs> you ought to call him like you always draft that guy. Like we should call you Chris Chris. There you go. See, I would draft me if I was if it was Chris Chris. That's right. You always draft that guy. That's the coolest thing ever. Had the same name twice. That is pretty cool. That is pretty cool. That's even better than just having just one name. Yeah. I mean, yeah. Nene? Yeah, yeah. No, I'm that's taking cool. Bobo over Nene Bobo. every oh, every single time. Classic. So, I mean, basically, you got, you, if you compare him to Wendell Carter Jr., you got the previous year's number two pick at the 12 spot. So, that's not horrible, right? I, I didn't say he, he was Wendell Carter. And what, what, where did Wendell Carter go last number year? Number two. No. I thought he was number two. No, 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 no. You're, oh, I'm looking you're, at Marvin you're confusing, I'm sorry. You're confusing your Duke players. He was like seven. That's seven, I think. Seven. Yeah. Seven yeah, to the Bulls. I'm sorry. Um, and, and I'm not, you know, Wendell Carter, you were higher on him last year than I was. Um, so I'm not saying that, and I'm not like, oh, my gosh, they got Wendell Carter. I thought Wendell Carter would be limited in what he could do in the NBA. Um, but nice player and had an okay, you know, rookie right. season, show some upside. I think P.J. Washington is the same way. I'll get you guys' thought on the other side of the break. You're listening to From the Cheap Seats. Check us out on social media at Cheap Seat Radio. You're listening to From the Cheap Seats. Check us out on social media at Cheap Seat Radio or visit us at www.cheapseatradio.com. 
Listen, as a hiring manager, I've got to tell you, the best job candidate isn't always the typical candidate. Sometimes they're a grad of life. Meet the grads of life, young adults of unique determination and experience, an ideal fit for your company in an entry-level position, internship, or mentorship. They might not have every qualification you typically look for, but they're exactly who your company needs. Sometimes the best candidates aren't the ones you're used to. Go to gradsoflife.org to learn how to find, cultivate, and train this great pool of untapped talent. Brought to you by the Ad Council and gradsoflife.org. In 50 feet, turn left. Why are you driving so slowly? After a few drinks, I'm taking it slow. Well, you're not fooling the cop behind you. What? Get ready to pay in .1 miles. Getting pulled over for buzz driving could cost you around $10,000 in fines, legal fees, and increased insurance rates. Nothing kills a buzz like getting pulled over for buzz driving, because buzz driving is drunk driving. Brought to you by the National Highway Traffic Safety Administration and the Ad Council. Debt. If you get in too deep, members of the NFCC, the National Foundation for Credit Counseling, can help you put debt in its place. Credit cards took charge of my financial life. A certified credit counselor helped me get back in control. Student loan debt followed me wherever I went. NFCC taught me all I needed to know. Connect with an NFCC certified credit counselor at your local member agency today. We'll help you put debt in its place. Go to nfcc.org slash stop debt or call 877-410-6322. We are live outside the home of Joe and Rosie Goddard where a pretty big tickle fight broke out just minutes ago. Sources say their father instigated the laughter. Let's go inside for a comment. (laughs) Apparently, they have no comment. Dads, let this be a reminder that it only takes a moment to make a moment. Call 877-4DAD411 or visit fatherhood.gov. Brought to you by the U.S. Department of Health and Human Services and the Ad Council. My name is Lola Silvestri, and I'm going to be 95 this year. I was very independent. I fell, and I had to have meals on wheels. America, let's do lunch. One in six seniors faces the threat of hunger, and millions more live in isolation. Drop off a hot meal and say a quick hello. Volunteer for Meals on Wheels by donating your lunch break at americaletsdolunch.org. This message brought to you by Meals on Wheels America and the Ad Council. Hello, it's me, the designer jeans in the back of your closet. What happened to us? I used to summer in the Hamptons, and now I'm stuck behind a pair of sweats. Okay, maybe I never really fit you right, but I got a lot more Sunday fun days left in me. So take me to Goodwill, where I can really make a difference. Your donations to Goodwill create jobs, training programs, and education assistance for people in your community. To find your nearest donation center, go to goodwill.org. Donate stuff. Create jobs. A message from Goodwill and the Ad Council. Welcome back to From the Cheap Seats, sports talk radio that won't make your ears bleed. All right, welcome back. Got about a half hour to go. You can check us out on Twitter, at Cheap Seat Radio. We'd appreciate a follow. Um, looking back at the draft, we were talking about P.J. Washington. The, the pick that blew me away in the first round involved a North Carolina player. Um, first of all, I was surprised that Kobe White fell to seven with the Bulls. I think that's a great, great acquisition for the Bulls, um, who are really starting to stockpile young talent. Wendell Carter being on that squad with last year's seventh pick, and Laurie Markinen. Um, Zach Levine has has become sort of a fringe 
star scorer in the league. Um, Chicago's in pretty good shape, kind of quietly. If they can stay healthy, they could they could start to make some waves here shortly. But Kobe White plugging him in, Brandon, you think he might be the star of this draft? Is that is that true? I definitely think so. I was surprised that he f- fell to seventh. Um, I think it, he fell to seventh because of the different teams' needs in front of him. But you got to be sitting there licking your chops. From where he began the season at Carolina to where he ended up, the player he was, if you continue to improve on that trajectory, you're going to be an awesome NBA player. Plus, he's got a – I can't remember exactly how tall he is. Is he 6'5"? That's what they say. He's, he's at least 6'4". I was at the game. And I was like, I didn't realize he's as big as he is. He's a legit six Now, it's hard to tell with the hair. Yeah. Well, I think even with the hair. beat me to it with the hair. I think, you know, if you're a 6'4 guard that's got wheels like that and can shoot and create your own offense, then you're going to be good at anywhere in the NBA. Well, I thought for certain that the one thing I knew about this draft is that Phoenix would take a point guard near the top of the draft. They were sitting there at six with the opportunity to take Kobe White. Instead, they trade out of that spot. I, and and this may be if you're if you follow Phoenix closely, maybe something that you point back at a few years from now and like what what were we doing? Phoenix is a team who has the worst organizational structure, ownership group slash front office, maybe in all of basketball. It's been a disaster out there for years. Palenka. They haven't made the playoffs since 2010. Palinka Palinka might have an Palinka could with come you. in and save that franchise. I mean, Robert Sarver, the the owner of the of the Suns, is far too engaged, and his his uh, statements over the last couple of years is that he felt like he could hire young, inexperienced front office executives, and then he could mentor them. Now he has no background in basketball, but he's been involved, and there are stories of him actually going into the locker room at halftime. My favorite is going in at halftime to the locker room and demonstrating how to set a proper screen. Because he wasn't happy with the way the guys were doing it on the floor in the first half. This organization is a mess. And this move didn't make any sense to me. Because point guard seems to be the one thing Phoenix needs to get him over the hump. Lonzo Ball was out there and available. They didn't pull the trigger on that. They made a deal with Indiana. And I thought for sure Jeff Teague's got to be part of this. Even though I thought that would be a crazy move. It just seemed to make sense mechanically. But no. They trade out of the sixth spot when they had the opportunity to get their guy. I don't get what's going on with the Phoenix Suns, but whatever. I don't think anybody in Phoenix gets that either. Um, So I had a B-minus for the Hornets. I gave a couple of A-pluses in this draft. And you guys, Robert, I don't know that you've ever suffered through me breaking out and analyzing things mathematically. You do it all the time on on our <laughs> a twi- on our uh, text group. We we have a group chat that we have been. Uh, it's been a couple years now, I guess, that we talk about everything that has to do with sports. And I I try to control myself sometimes, where I'm like, I need to demonstrate for these guys. You know, the math here associated with it, whatever. And it ends up being like eight posts for me in a row, which lets me know these guys have completely tuned me out. <laughs> They're like, I got better things to do, but I just can't help myself. The thing with it is, New Orleans and Atlanta both came into this draft with a whole lot of draft capital. Um, The Hawks came in with six picks. They ended up with three picks. And I'm going to tell you what, they killed this draft. 
And I'm not off of the I hate trade Trey Young. Young bandwagon yet. I still don't like his game. I think that his numbers are inflated. I don't think he I think he's a very inefficient player. I don't love him. However, I am willing to concede that he is at least a passable NBA point guard at this point. Where were you at with it? Because you piled on right along oh, yeah, with him. We killed him last year. We absolutely <laughs> killed him. And I almost feel like I need to write him a letter to apologize. <laughs> I mean, we, we dogged ESPN and Oklahoma basketball. We really killed him last year. So uh, if you're listening, uh, Trey, I, I apologize. Well, you're talking about a team that, that did well. John Collins, Kevin Herter, Trey Young. Now you go out and we agreed – the consensus, Brandon, was that DeAndre Hunter was a plug-and-play pro. Um, I I know that there's beginning to be some backlash against him because people. The easy comparison is well, he's he's a lot like Kawhi Leonard. Well, people are now starting to try to pick that apart. Well, his offensive game's not as as expanded and as extensive as Kawhi's was coming out of college. Do people not know? I don't even do know. Do people what not talking know about. that Kawhi Leonard was an awful three-point shooter in college? I mean. Just the fact that he's already making that comparison at this stage in his career coming into the NBA is a huge compliment. DeAndre Hunter was the center of gravity on that Virginia Cavaliers basketball team for this championship run. But what people have forgotten, because they don't start paying attention to college basketball until 10 minutes before the NCAA tournament, (laughs) he was the center of gravity two years ago as a freshman. And everybody remembers, oh, Virginia got knocked out. UMBC beat them in a 17-1 or a 16-1 matchup. They forget DeAndre Hunter missed that game. He broke his broke his foot, didn't he? Leading up to leading up to the uh, to the first round of the NCAA tournament. The fact that as a as an underclassman on a team that was upper class heavy with Kyle Guy and Ty Jerome and those guys, for this guy to have been the clear established center of gravity says a lot of good. Just like you talked about with PJ Washington, where you know when he went down, the the whole city, the college, the team lost their minds. It was obvious PJ Washington was the leader of that team. That's a big deal to me. I think it tells you a lot about what that guy's makeup is. And you look back a couple of years ago, Malik Monk taken by the Hornets. The difference with that pick is I watched that team play all year, and I thought Darren Fox is the leader of this team, and Darren Fox is out to a great start to his career. He's one of those on the cusp. All-star type guys, and Malik Monk is mentioned in every possible trade scenario there is to send him someplace else and give him a fresh start because he hadn't done anything in the NBA yet. Um, so these guys that that assert themselves and fill that role as a team leader in just a year or two of college basketball, I think there's a lot to be said for that. But Hunter, Brick, I don't see any holes in the guy's game. I don't either. He's skilled. He can shoot the ball. And that's people don't understand the value of a guy that can put the ball in the hole from the perimeter. That's then he and then he can do a lot of other things. And like you say, for a guy to uh, have had that much uh, contribute that much as a freshman, and they really missed him when he went down. That says a lot about what a coach sees in him as a freshman on an upper class laden team. So I, I love the guy. I think, well, he's, the, I think com- he's solid all the way around. And the comparisons with Kawhi. Also include how quiet the kid is. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, if they if they line him after an NCAA game up at the podium, and he was just the quietest guy. Ty Jerome did all the talking. Well, the the other thing with with DeAndre Hunter is that 
it's easy to say he's a great defender. And there are great defenders. In fact, Ala Abdel Nabi talked about Matisse Thibault that, that the uh, Sixers took with the 20th pick. Expected to come in and play defense. Zaire Smith, he talked about him last year. Expected to come in and play defense. DeAndre Hunter, you got a guy that you expect to come in and play defense. But in terms of a guy who had star skills doing other things on the basketball right. floor, right. he is as good an on-the-ball defender as you're going to find in a young ball player. I think DeAndre Hunter to the to the Hawks is an enormous get. And then you look, and Cam Reddish, if you've got a young point guard who's going to distribute the ball, needs spacing, Cam Reddish is a perfect fit for that team and isn't going to be expected to do a whole lot more than shoot, which is good because he doesn't do a whole lot more right. than shoot the basketball. And then Bruno Fernando, the big that they took with the second with their second round pick, they got a, him at thirty four. I think that's a tremendous get. Fernando, thirty two. I had somewhere between twenty and twenty five in my, you know, uh, non expert player evaluations. But I thought Fernando was great value one way or the other. If you look at the scouting services, so three guys that can come into a young team that's trending upward. I love what the Hawks did. Um, I'll tell you what else I love and a couple of things I hate on the other side of the break. You're listening to From the Cheap Seats right here in Central North Carolina on WFJ 105.5. Stay tuned to From the Cheap Seats. We'll be right back. I don't know what we'll talk about, but it'll be cool. So why do teenagers play high school sports? My reason why is a sense of purpose. My reason why is to inspire others. One reason student athletes seldom mention is to get an athletic scholarship. They know that only 2% of all high school athletes are awarded a sports scholarship. So why do they play? My reason why is friendship. Tell us your reason using the hashtag MyReasonWhy. This message presented by the NFHS and the North Carolina High School Athletic Association. Have you mixed your pain meds, your sleep meds, your allergy meds? Call the Poison Helpline. Has your child eaten a tube of toothpaste, a chip of paint, a wild mushroom? Call the Poison Helpline. Have you been bitten by a spider, a snake, an insect? Call the Poison Helpline. Poisonings can happen at the home, on the job, or in the great outdoors. Call the Poison Helpline first for fast, free advice from medical professionals. Call 1-800-222-1222 anytime, anywhere. 1-800-222-1222. Save the number, save a life. Brought to you by the U.S. Department of Health and Human Services. Joel Klein catches a 7 o'clock train after his evening CPR class at the American Red Cross. Ron Garrett is on the same train. He's had a rough day and doesn't feel like himself. Until he feels the sudden tightness in his chest, Ron never thought he'd actually have a heart attack. Until Joel is administering CPR, he never thought he'd actually save a life. When you train with the Red Cross, you change a life. Starting with your own. Call 1-800-RED-CROSS or visit redcross.org to learn about life-changing opportunities in your area. You're listening to From the Cheap Seats, national sports with a Carolina twist. All right, welcome back to From the Cheap Seats. I want to send another round of thanks out to Allah Abdel Nabi. Um, I hope to get to the point in life where I can refer to him as La. I doubt that it'll ever but happen. It probably won't, but that's that's on my that's on my list of goals. Um, thanks again, 
Ala for uh, hanging out, schooling us on uh, Philadelphia 76ers uh, everything. That was pretty cool. Um, so, Cam Reddish, we can't move off of this because there were some pretty extreme reactions. I say Cam Reddish a good get uh, for the Atlanta Hawks. Robert Bricky, please tell me if I'm right or wrong. I can't tell you if you're right or wrong. What my opinion is, I think he's a streaky shooter, and he doesn't put the ball on the floor very well. So, I thought his pick was a little high. I honestly would have drafted Cam Johnson. You know, that's big coming I gotta say something positive about a Tar Heel, but I thought six <laughs> nine can ex- can extend the f- and spread the floor, can rebound, can defend. I thought he was a, a little better, especially for what you said, young team. He would, I think, he would have been a good fit for that team. Chris, let me hit you with this. So, if I were to tell you, forget about Cam Johnson for a moment. If I were to tell you that there's a kid coming into the draft from one of the Blue Blood programs, he's six nine and is arguably the best shooter in the draft, would you take him at pick 11? If, if, if that's all you gave me, I probably would. And I do agree that Cam Johnson may be um, – can I say he's the best shooter in the draft? That's, that's, I'm saying there could be an argument made. Not, yeah, not, he could be one of the best shooters in the draft. Me, to me – I say the same thing about Cam Johnson that I did about Cam Reddish. Cam Johnson reminds me of Danny Green a little bit from what you said. If Danny Green comes out in the first half and hits a couple of threes, you're in trouble. That's how Cam Johnson has always struck me. If he comes out and he's hot, UNC is going to be tough to beat tonight. If he's not, he has a tendency to, to disappear. Now, here's the rub. The detractors for Cam Johnson are going to say, well, he doesn't play very well facing the basket. For a wing, not going to be able to put the ball on the floor very well, and he's going to struggle a little bit on defense. I don't know that there's a whole lot of wing players coming into the NBA draft that are NBA-ready defensively. It's why they don't play. All of these kids can score the basketball. You know, anybody that's 6'6", 6'7", you know, these long athletes, they can score the basketball. The question is, what else can they do? Because we've said before, 6'6", scoring you know, a three? Dime Dude, a come on, man. They're a dime a dozen. Go pull them off a tree. So, Cam Johnson, I, I'm i not trashing the pick at the level that some people are. The Suns dropped down to 11. Here's my thing. You had a better version of this dude in T.J. Warren, who is an established pro that does do a lot of things, and instead of holding T.J. Warren, who's on a good contract, you ship him to Indy. I'm I'm confused as to what happened there. The whole thing is sort of bizarre. You you you're you're replacing Warren with Cam Johnson, and it's not like they're out there in free agency trying to big be big big time players and bringing in a, a premium free agent. So I'm, maybe, I'm just confused. Maybe it's the money, the difference in the contract and a rookie deal. It is, but what are you going to do with that money? Who are they signing? I mean, their big deal last year was Trevor Ariza. Come on, man. I, Phoenix is not going to make a splash. You know, Durant's not headed down there. Klay Thompson's not headed down there. Kawhi's not – that's not going to happen. So I'm just a little confused as to what they do. And then you pair that with the fact that they passed on Kobe White. What are you doing? And even Kobe White's reaction to Cam Johnson being taken 11 was priceless. He's like, what? What? And was obviously happy for him, but couldn't hide the fact that he was shocked that Cam Johnson, who was seen as a 20 to 25 type guy – went at 11. It's just it's just a weird deal. And if Phoenix wanted him, it seems to me like they could have got him a little later. Of course, Bricky's saying, hey, I'd have taken him at the 10 spot if I was Atlanta. So, what do I know? I think it's a testament 
to how much you can see when you work these guys out. You know what I mean? Like, the, in, that's the difference between the draft and free agency. You like overanalyzing the draft. <laughs> well, and in free agency, you don't even meet the kid. You know, I'll give you. A, I'll give you a for instance though. You know, Cleveland took Darius Garland at the fifth pick. Darius Garland is a point guard that none of you out there saw play because he only played five games for Vanderbilt. Winston Garland is his daddy, was a guard in the NBA for a very long time. Darius Garland, the most ballyhooed, biggest prospect that program had ever signed. He comes in, puts up ludicrous numbers, scoring and shooting for five games, hurts himself, they shut him down. Darius Garland worked out one time for the Cavaliers, and he went out and they say for about six minutes didn't miss a shot. And Cleveland decided during that workout, we're taking him. We don't care about the rest of, of our roster. We know we just used a top 10 pick on a point guard last year. We're going to take another point guard with the fifth pick in the draft. Now, the idea seems to be that they're going to take Colin Sexton and move him to the two. Here's the thing. There is not an NBA team out there right now that has a pair of guards starting for them at the one and the two that are six foot two or shorter that's any good. Right. I don't know what you're going to do with these guys. Sexton at the two sounds great until he has to play defense on a two that's six six. I it, it's a ridiculous idea. Now, Darius Garland, the ball's in your court, you know, because maybe he transcends and becomes a star. I don't know, but from a roster management standpoint, it was a bizarre move for Cleveland. Apparently, they were trying to trade out of that pick. Um, I, I don't know. It's just weird that you, you look at it and you're like, really? Two point guards in back-to-back lotteries. I don't know. I don't know I mean, how I'm it, feeling it, about isn't that. Isn't it weird when you don't see a player, you can't make an educated decision about them? Markel Fultz, Michael Porter Jr. I mean, you got to get in there and see these kids. And you're right. I mean, I haven't seen a lot of these guys play, too. And I'm in a sports and I'm on a sports talk show. So, I mean... You just got to, Cameron had to have made a really good impression at, you know, the different camps. Well, I do want to say that as much as I trashed Phoenix, the losers in this draft, Sacramento Kings, Sacramento came into this um, and to be fair, didn't have a first round pick. However, they had three second round picks. And with those three picks, they parlayed that into two prospects that nobody among the national talking heads or scouting services even had it as draftable players. So when I look at it from a mathematics standpoint, I'm looking at value that it you get at each pick. Kind of kills your grade when you're getting really no value for either one of these guys. One of them I had to go look and couldn't even find him in the top 100 lists. So either Sacramento got it really, really right and they know something nobody else does, or they jacked this whole thing, and it was kind of a wasted day for them. Uh, we'll, we'll, we'll see as time goes on. Um, the U.S. women's national team, that was, how's that for a segue for you? I'm tired <laughs> of talking about the draft, and I think you guys are too. Is that fair? Fair. Certainly. All right, the U.S. women's national team. On into the first round of knockout play today, actually in about an hour and five minutes, taking on Spain. Is there any chance the U.S. loses this game? No, I don't think so. I think they've already shown the dominance, you know, especially if you beat a team like Sweden. You know, I think that you've already shown the dominance there against a really good team. I just think that the team to beat, I mean, something cataclysmic has got to happen for them to lose. Cataclysmic. Can you spell that? There's no chance. I think I think Brandon's right. Part of what, what the reason I say that is, 
They've got an unbelievable level of confidence right now. And that factors in. You think you're going to win. You think you're going to play well. And even if you don't play as well, your level of thinking is probably going to be above the, your opponent's uh, level of thinking. You, so. you may only know Rapino or Alex Morgan, but if you watch them play, if your eyeballs, they're not weak in any position no. on the field. There's no, like no really holes not. in them. And that, that squad probably goes 17 or 18 deep legitimately with folks that are among, you know, that would start for any other nation in the country, there's, in the world. There's um, players that have been left off of that team yeah. that would start for any country in the world. Well, here's the, here's the question I have with the U.S. We had a, a, a bit of a discussion last week about the disparity between pay for the women's players and the men's players. And I don't know why U.S. soccer has gotten themselves into this type of situation. I really feel like this is a marketing failure because I'm going to tell you right now that if I went to work for U.S. soccer and I had the gig marketing the women's national team and selling the TV rights and things of that nature, I could easily outpace the men in what kind of revenue I could generate, period. I have no doubt of that. The U.S. men's team, you find me, a, find me somebody that is high on Christian Pulisic, who's probably the best young American player to come along since Landon Donovan. If you find me somebody that is a Pulisic fan, I'll find you somebody who is also a Messi and Ronaldo fan. Soccer fans and soccer families fans only who are deep fans are fans of these men's players even at the highest level. The women, the market there for apparel, for shoes, for cars for that kind of of marketing dude are you kidding me tell me if i'm wrong but the women's team seem to have more personality across the board absolutely 1000 percent. give me some of these young ladies to roll out there and try and get these marketing deals for i'm not even blaming u.s soccer as much as i am the advertisers why why every time i go into dick's sporting goods why are there not Alex Morgan displays everywhere shopping shoes to every little girl that plays soccer? These girls are playing their entire lives every year or two. Got to have new kicks. Why are they not cornering the market with an Alex Morgan or you know Megan Rapino or Kristen Pratt, whomever? They're being underutilized from a marketing standpoint. And at the same time, we'll go give any NBA player a shoe contract. Dude, I'm not trying to go out and buy the Jalen McDaniels. Yeah, I'm telling you know what I mean? Exactly. You know, I have a 13-year-old daughter. She's played soccer before. Ask any one of her friends who Alex Morgan is. They all know. And how many pieces of gear does your daughter own that say Alex Morgan on them that are branded? At least a couple. At least a couple. How many more would she buy? As many as I would All of them, right? Yeah. Everything. Whatever. And the fact that that's not happening... It, the whole thing is ridiculous, but it's just an indicator of how busted U.S. soccer is. Now, last, we got about a minute left, but here's, my, here's the point I want to make. With the women's team, would it be better for the women's team, the U.S. women, to roll through this World Cup and never be challenged, or do they have to have one of those moments where they win a game in, you know, at the gun, if they win one in, uh, in a shootout, which would be better I'll, I'll just answer it by saying this. I thought last World Cup was more interesting than this one so far because of that reason. They had some, like, a couple of close moments in the last World Cup. Right now, they're just steamrolling teams. All right, Bricky, you got any closing thoughts in the last 30 seconds? I'm happy to see you guys. Dude! Back, it's been too long, but uh, I will try to make it uh, more often. And Lady Soccer, amazing. I'm glad to see uh, how they've 
set the bar, and we've got to get the men's program to do the same. U.S. soccer, pay them what they're worth. We'll see you next week, Monday from 9 to 11, right here on WFJA 105.5 FM. We are from the cheap seats. Peace! Cheap Seats, a production of Cheap Seats Radio.